Welcome to the Jerry T Podcast. I am joined by only one person this week, but it's a good person, one of my favorite people, Dave Shields, who uh, I, I didn't really realize this when you were talking to me about it. You were like, oh, I'm 3-0 in a super qualifier. I didn't realize it was Wednesday, man. Yeah. Well, I barely can know what day of the week it is, too, because I also just told you it was Friday five yeah. minutes ago. So. <laughs> So, so yeah, we're we're a little confused, but yeah, you you played in this thing. I was gonna say last weekend because that's what I'm used to saying, but no, it was earlier this morning. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Like there's basically super qualifiers all week in between Christmas and New Year's, which I think is just freaking awesome. And um, yeah, I'm on I'm on high alert still. Baby is coming any minute, any day. So I'm was not not necessarily planning on being here. And then I've been trying to putter and keep everything ready and cordial and then got to play a super qualifier on the side. So, so I, I went to meet Jake Beardsley for lunch today because he was driving through Richmond on his way from like Roanoke area to Virginia beach. That's fun. And it was awesome. It was great, but not going to lie. Had I known that there was a qualifier, I might've just stood him up, but it was a good time. I had fun. Jake is great. And now I'm like looking at the schedule because I didn't even know this was happening. Yeah, maybe not the best advertised, but um, I think it's a great idea. And I also think it's awesome. There's different format every day. And yeah, today was modern. Tomorrow was, is legacy. Yeah. And then With- Pioneer Limited. And I guess there is a standard qualifier on the first. Yeah. New Year's Day. So. I do want to talk about standard because there's this whole, uh, you know, RCQ season thing coming up. And I feel like people have rightfully not been paying any attention to the standard format, but they're probably going to have to pretty quick. But first, I guess we'll talk about this a little bit because there was also a modern super qualifier yesterday. Uh yeah, so today's the 27th, right? So this was on the 26th. So if you go to mggo.com, scroll down, click on deck lists, you get to see all these deck lists that people played. And then, I don't know, if you go to it from Goldfish or whatever, you can take a look at the metagame breakdown too, which, uh, as you pointed out, is basically Cascade, Big Mana, and then uh, Ragavan plus Yawgmoth. So, like, overall, pretty simple format. Yeah. Make a bunch of mana, put a one-mana card in your deck, or uh, Cascade, which, I don't know, feels pretty exploitable on the surface, but I don't actually know how you would do that. But my first instinct when looking at it was, like, there is more of a pattern here than meets the eye. Yeah. I mean, because you look at it, it's like, oh, 10% this, 9 this, whatever. But when you put archetypes into buckets, it all starts becoming a little bit more clearer and that's maybe not the best way to go about things because between the three big mana decks like amulet tron coffers they do require sort of different things to fight them certainly and different decks are good against them right but just looking at the format overall whereas like initially i was working on omnath stuff that is generally a deck that is very good at uh hard targeting specific metagames but when it's like, oh, well, actually, there's like 20% big mana. And yes, you can fight this to some degree, but like you're, it's going to be an uphill battle, you know? So I don't know. I think it is probably just about 
picking the right deck. But I do think that creativity to some degree can do some of the Omnath thing while being proactive and powerful too. Yeah. I'm not really sure where to land on how to target it. Again, my instinct was just there's got to be something you can derive from this. And I haven't figured that out yet. But so there was a 4 a.m. super qualifier two days ago. I woke up this morning to my delight to see a creativity deck in the top eight, which got me excited, which was probably some amount of the motivation to play in the qualifier today. And kind of a similar list to what you and I were doing at the last Star City with one noticeable difference of swapping Spell Pierce out for Thoughtseize. Yeah, and I'd sent you this list earlier in the week where it wasn't necessarily something I was on board with, but I do want to make sure that you're kept up to date on things, especially things relating to Indomitable Creativity. And like this deck also had two Shadow Prophecies main. So it's like, Dave has to see this. Yeah. Listen, anytime there's Shadow Prophecy running around, you got my attention, right? So, um, but yeah, a Persist Shadow Prophecy package, which also very similar to the list that you won the qualifier with, right? Um, just again, minus the counter spells plus the Thought Seasons. And it looks like a relatively clean swap there. Yeah, it's like, this one has three bitter reunion, three persist, uh, two shadow prophecy. I had one prophecy, two prismari command, and like an extra removal spell. Uh, yeah. And then I, th- I think I played three pierce, two mana leak. You know, but other than that, it's like all pretty similar outside of maybe adjusting the lands a little bit, like second steam vents to accommodate the fact that you have all these blue interactive spells. And yeah, uh, this sideboard's a little bit different, I guess, but. Yeah, I think your third spell, Pierce, was that stealth cut that you wouldn't tell anybody about. Oh, fair. Yeah, so two and two. Yeah. Just objectively correct numbers. Yeah, just making sure we hold you accountable for that one because you wouldn't even talk to me about it. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you want them to pay two, sometimes you want them to pay three, you know? just It makes sense to have a split if you really think about it. (laughs) Well, I think you had the two leaks in your deck the whole time, right? It was the, was it the dead gone or something you were trying to get snuck in there? Uh, yeah, I mean... I think the two leaks and the dead gun were kind of locked and the, the third pierce was what I cut. So you are right about that. Yeah. But regardless, regardless. I wasn't happy about it, but it was better than playing 61. I'm not, yeah. I'm not a monster, you know? Yeah. So like going back to like a year and a half plus ago when creativity first started becoming a deck and even like when it was still kind of just like a streamery meme thing, um, it wasn't playing Renin six. And there was a version that was more Grixis angle that had four thought season four persist in it. And it also played like four, I think, Tainted Indulgence. Is that what it is? Draw two, discard one. Yeah, big fan. Yeah. yeah. So that was the list that my brother and I first got experience with and started playing. And then I think it was Nasif that started adding Red and Six to other versions of the deck. And eventually they got smushed together. Mm. But like, I had not played a list much in a very long time that had both Thoughtseize and Ren and Six, right? We had dabbled with one or the other, but never both. Can we so, go back? Can I yeah. cut can I cut Ren and Six? So that's actually like part of the interesting question. Um so so let me I'll I'll take you through my thoughts on the deck because I I, I think the answer is no. Um but I think why is not necessarily super intuitive. And I think it's also part of the reason why I like some of this package and what's going on here. All right. Um Thoughtseize was I played against uh, scam twice in the first three rounds and beat the crap out of it. And Thoughtseize was sweet there. And Spell Pierce is like sketchy against them and not super reliable. And just like Thoughtseize, like I was on the play and got to break up one of their scam draws and just like seemed like it, it performed well in that matchup. And 
it was also very good against uh, Living End, which I also that was my f- other round in the first three. So when I had pinged you, I beat Living End and Scam twice. And I think Thoughtseize was better than Pierce by quite a bit in those matchups. And at least hypothetically, I think it's also quite good against all the big mana decks. Where like Pierce is good, but I think Thoughtseize is better. Agreed. Um, and then towards after that, I think I I, I won the fourth round, so I was four zero. And then what did I beat in round four? Um, let's see, I beat Living End, Merfolk, Scam, Scam were my first four rounds. And they had pretty good draws in all my rounds and I like won them all pretty convincingly. So I was like, this is going pretty well. And then the wheels just came off. Um, I lost to Burn pretty rough where I had like pretty good draws and just like still handily got crushed. And if they have a really good draw, it's just like a hard thing to do. But not having Pierce against them was like noticeably obviously not is not good at all right yeah. Pierce is one of your better cards were you playing a sideboard that was similar to the moto ones i trimmed the two green thingies that gain life so i was like even lighter against burn stuff than they were the turned earths yeah and like going back like I, I don't know if this is something you can get away with like collective brutality was always a card that i dabbled with and when yep. you're on like a persist package i really like stuff like that I think when I came up there, I brought two brutalities just in case. It's it it is al- always on the maybe board, but like never really makes the final cut, you know. Yeah, I, I think uh, again going way back to a different format and metagame. My brother and I played a good amount of collective brutality, and the logic was there was a lot of matchups where you wanted to board out some of your other discard cards, but you still wanted the, a way to make persist live. So it's just like another convenient way to do that. Um, I don't know how many other matchups it's good against right now. And the fact that it's like not really great against Yawgmoth, it's not really great against anything else except Burn right now. So, um, yeah, I don't know if it's something you can or are allowed to do. But 4-0, get paired against Burn, lose pretty handily. Following round, got paired against Rhinos. Also frustrating where I thought sees him early on and he just has three or four different three-mana threats. And it was just like, well, crap, like, you know, he has Teferi and two Cascaders. And if this was a spell pierce, it would be so much better. But he has so much redundancy that, like, I lost the tempo advantage that I would I would have needed to be able to keep up. Um, So uh, Jerry's still out against Rhinos. It's like kind of awkward because, like, Pierce is not very good if they resolve Teferi to begin with. And the games can sometimes go longer. So I could see arguments for both. But um, at least in the, the games in the match that I played, it was noticeably worse. Yeah, I mean, in general, I would say that having a mix of discard and counter magic is where you want to be against pseudo combo decks, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, again, they just have so much redundancy that, like, to get to survive the first four or five turns, Pierce is going to be quite a bit better, I think. Yes, because you're actually eating a turn against them. Yeah. Whereas, because they're so redundant, Thoughtseize can often just be like Raven's Crime plus your taking damage which is not great because they are trying to nickel and dime you out yeah and it's also kind of weird of like that and living under both decks where like when you get to the part of the game where like they can start to cascade and pay for spell pierce like you're in pretty good shape to be able to fight those things in a more fair way anyway yeah so um it's really them coming out of the gates quick that is the scariest thing so um and then i lost to four i played another round at four two lost again to four color where, again, Thoughtseize was... I was kind of excited to have it in that matchup going into it, but I had almost the same experience where, like, 
in game two, I thought seized him and he just had to ferry and one ring. And it was like, well, crap, I like really need the tempo advantage to like get ahead on mana. And um, he had enough redundancy where like my thought sees ended up being more of a Raven's crime with a peak. Yeah, I, I will say in that matchup specifically, if they're going back to Halfling, then Pierce is not always live against them anyway. Yeah, I, and I don't think it's great either. Again, very small sample size. But in the exact situation I was in, one of the ways that I could have won the game that I was playing was having those cards be swapped. And again, I'm sure there's going to be a lot on the other side too. But uh, Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that is just how most of these decks are built is with a lot of redundancy in mind because a lot of these decks existed and to some degree thrived during the scam era where they're, they are very used to getting thoughtsies and oftentimes twice, you know? It's still the scam era, man. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the deck still exists. It is still being played at like 9% or whatever. So, yeah, it's just, it's a little different, you know? It's not quite as scary, but still good. Yeah. Two in top eight of of this event, also. Yep, two in top eight. I think they were they finished second and third, or that oh, might have okay. just been after the Swiss. I'm not sure. I can never tell with these events if we actually get standings the right way, or I think they fixed it, but I am checking. I'm clicking through to the Moto thing. I I believe, at least from my experience, from what I've seen, that they are posting the top eight in order. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. Uh, Rastaf either lost in the finals or split. AFX got third. Yeah, and this is an event where top four basically win. Yep, fair. Um, interesting. Um, yeah. So I enjoyed myself. My games, my rounds were close. They were um engaging. I'm not sure if creativity is exactly where I want to be, but I do feel like quite a few of these decks. You do have tools to improve your matchups against them. I'm not sure if you can do it all at once or have it all, but um, it's something that we'll explore a lot more as we get closer to uh, the next RC. Which, yeah. what do we have? We have, What do we have, six weeks until? Yeah, not a lot. Not a lot. Uh, but we have a set in between. So Yeah, but also, what, what are the odds? You know, are they going to make Beanstalk 2.0? Surely not. Yeah, I mean, that one slipped through the cracks pretty aggressively for us, so... Um, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I'm it hoping is, a shakeup. It didn't. I brought it up. Yeah, we well, brought it up. And if I told you that card was going to get banned. <laughs> well, I, I yeah. would think that what they should do is probably ban the elementals rather than the beanstalk. But they're not going to do that. So, yeah, I don't know. I like the elementals as answers. I still think them as threats is a problem. I like modern post MH2 more than pre. But that's, again, my personal opinion. Well, okay, so Modern, right before MH2, was not in a good place. So I'm right there with you. But I think that if you just got rid of basically all the elementals, like, okay, maybe Endurance can stay. You know, maybe maybe that one's fine. But the rest of them, say those go, I think it's a better place. Yeah. I think it, if we got rid of the shenanigans of tuning them into play and just have them be, like, honest pitch force of negation style cards as answers that they help break serve. They help slow the format down a little bit. And I like all those things. Yeah, that would be fine with me too. I just don't think that that's a very reasonable solution. Fair. Yeah. I, I guess not if you're at the point of past dev, right. And not changing the words on the cards. Yeah. Uh, Cause like evoke is a very specific mechanic and 
Are they just going to wreck on every evoke card? Like, I don't think that that's realistic. But. Yeah, no, it's not. I'm uh, living so- in fairy tale land. But MH three is Q two of this year, so that's going to be like that's. I also just realized that it's kind of weird. We play the RC, and then there's just immediately the format gets blown up. Yeah. Uh I, I would rather it be this way than, you know, a week before the RC the set comes out. So. I mean, that sounds like a lot of fun for me, but I'm not necessarily saying that that's the best thing to do for Magic. Yeah. So the creativity deck that made top eight lost to the eventual winner in top eight, uh, which was Merktide. Interesting. Which has always been a historically very close matchup. Yes. Um, and it was two and one, if, if that if that matters. But Yeah. And I, I, a matchup where I'm not actually sure if you want thought Caesar Pierce if that's still a debate that some people are asking themselves but um, yeah that's that is interesting I think I would rather have thought I guess but it is definitely one of those matchups where you're you're gonna thought season see like three different counter spells and if you're ever engaging in a counter battle then you're gonna want them to just have to spend their mana right with you you know yeah it's it's weird that they feel like similar cards and we're debating them like head against each other, like A or B. But like Thoughtseize trades down on mana every time. Yes. And Spell Pierce is going to trade even or up on mana. And like as a value player, like clearing the path, Thoughtseize is probably quite a bit better. But like as far as like a tempo way to to gain some amount of mana advantage in the early turns, like there's no comparison. Yeah, I agree. But I, I think Pierce is even worse than that, though, because there are definitely turns where you do very specific things because you're holding open Pierce for their worst case scenario, which they know you have Pierce in your deck, so they simply just do not cast their thing. And you're just like, okay, like I I ate my one mana, but it was kind of like three mana because otherwise I would have played Fable this turn instead of like a removal spell and holding open mana, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, My other thoughts though and questions that you asked me I think, can you play this deck without red and six? I think my answer is pretty hard no. Um, I think this deck, red is like at its best in and like you don't need the minus ability much. Like the ultimate wins you the game pretty much every time you do it because of how good the spells in your deck are, which is not something that many of the other decks that are playing that card have in common. And because you're playing things like Prismari Command or Fable or Bitter Reunion, like it's actually part of your engine of just like how you end up. I, I won a lot of games just on attrition, not with like some unfair creativity yeah. archon shenanigans, but I just grinded people out and uh, getting just random pieces of cardboard to discard to these other outlets is like, I think part of the, what you need to do to do that. And I didn't actually like persist very much. I think I only casted it once the whole day. And, but I did quite like, all of the discard outlets and again, being able to churn through my deck. And I think red and six is a big part of that. Yeah. Going up to three persist when you still only have the four archons is kind of loose because you just so often don't find a thing to put in your graveyard fast enough. So I don't know if there's a reasonable solution to that. I don't think there really is. Uh, Are you staring at the list right now? Uh, I'm not. I was okay. looking. I was looking at the Merktide list, actually. I was gonna say, I. How would you sideboard with this Thoughtseize list against Scam? Is a really interesting question. This uh, is with the top eight list. Yeah. 
And I stared at it for a while, actually almost messaged you and said, what would you do? Uh, so this this is assuming that they have blood moon, right? So you're like... Yeah, I like I think they have somewhere between two and two two 2.5 blood moons is what I would assume. A lot of them are moving in the Magus direction because of how much better it is against um, Amulet, which is a huge win for us. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they have one planes, but like nothing to really cast off of this to get blood moon except for binding which is like super expensive but i don't know I de- definitely planes i guess you board in veils because you have them and uh that is about it like you could board in unnature's claim for moon and to some extent fable uh you could i guess i don't know do like terastodon or something but like generally we we don't do that and like same thing with Baseju. yeah and then i think the interesting part is what you board out yeah, I mean, I'm sure you're going to tell me that you just cut three persist or whatever. Um, that was my first re- instinct for what, and that was kind of the point I was trying to get at. So I don't like the second prophecy on the draw. Uh, I don't like the third bitter reunion, just like straight up. And with the bitter reunion going, I would probably cut persists. But so, like, if that if that's you're on the draw, I mean, I know that some people just will like cut a fetch land or like cut a dwarven mine or whatever in place of the planes. I don't know. Like it, it kind of depends on how I'm feeling. Sometimes I do that. I, sometimes I don't. I usually cut the mountain against scam. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's fair, I guess. I was thinking about playing against decks like coffers where it's like, no, I just want all the basics I can get. Yeah. And I wouldn't trim a land at all there then at that point. Right. Yeah. Um, but I guess the, the point is like, I actually quite like Bitter Union and Persist was not great or super reliable for me and like rotted my hand multiple games. And um, I was could... just It was just because you hadn't found an Archon yet, right? Yeah, and again, small sample size or whatever. But my instinct is that like these discard cards might be good independent of Persist. And obviously, maybe you're priced in at that point to like playing some number of them. But like, I wanted to go back and play less of them. And again, I play this deck like a Jun deck, right? So yeah, um, ha- having things that are th- these two-card combos that are mulligans, if you don't find the other half, are problematic. Well, it is only Persist. Because the reunion itself is serviceable. Yes. Yeah, and that's fair. And then I guess the other part of it is like how re- how much you want the Archon in your hand. Like I had a hand where I mulled a six and I had Archon and Persist, but no discard outlet. And it's like, well, what do I do? Yeah, God, because you have the persist, I think you have to keep it. But normally in those situations, I would just bottom the Archon. Yeah, that's what I did. And, you know, never cast the persist. But yeah, uh, it just it puts you in these awkward spots. And like having all of your things do stuff, I think is at least in the earlier turns of the game is really where I want to be. Um, most of these matchups, I mean, again, the big man aside, like as long as I can leave turn three or four not dead against most things, I feel pretty good about myself. Yeah, I mean, the the other way that you could go about it is, like, especially if they're doing things like boarding in explosives to, like, stop your creativities or whatever, then it's just like, okay, shave a creativity, bring in the Terracidons, now Persist is kind of your plan A. Yeah. I, I like the angle of, like, going down to, like, three creativity, three Archons, which is something I, again, different sideboard, different iteration of this deck, but... um going lower on creativity and archons and not having persist at all and just like 
having more answers was where I ended up being against scam quite a bit last year. Yeah. And, and that makes sense to me when, well, I mean, especially when scam is big and is fully powered, it was like, okay, well, we need like six-ish cards to fight this deck because it's going to be, you know, 15, 20% or whatever. And then you actually solidify your plan and you know what you're doing. But like this deck, I don't know. I don't really like the sideboard of this deck. You have like silence and reprieve and veil, which all seem kind of, kind of redundant. You have besages and nature's claims that are both pretty redundant. So I don't know. Yep. Like I would never have this sideboard. I agree. I think the, the reprieves are like the most interesting one that look out of place in that my instinct, I cut them immediately and then ended up playing with a couple of them. Um, just has like extra cards against the, I think how I talked myself into them was they double up against Amulet and Cascade. And yeah. I looked at the results and like Amulet was doing really well. So I was like, what's the next, you know, if I want to beat Amulet, what are things that are good in that matchup? And I think that that's where Nature's Claim is like noticeably better than every other artifact removal spell. Like the difference between one and two mana against them is night and day. Yeah. And then Reprieve is like, I think that's a matchup where it ends up being serviceable or good, other than Cascade, obviously. I'm still uh, tempted by Wear Tear. Interesting. I mean, I don't know. You, you know me, I'm always going to run in the Tear Asunder direction because I love being able to kill Ring and Binding. I, I think one Tear Asunder is fine, but uh, Wear Tear. Yeah, I'm with you on Wear Tear. Yeah. I'm more just like when I was p- comparing Nature's Claim to alternative options, Wear Tear yeah. wasn't even necessarily on my radar. Okay. But yeah, it would just, meet that criteria of, right, being able to kill Amulet on turn one on the draw? And uh, as an answer to Saga? No, it, the the Shatter's two mana. Oh, the Shatter's two. Okay. Yeah, but like Saga is the one that generally requires the more immediate answer, I feel like. So that, that one being the one mana thing, I think I'm fine with because, I don't know, especially if you have access to something like Reprieve, it's not like they necessarily just jam tighten on three especially if they have to pack for it first you know yeah yeah let me see what um what other changes to that sideboard did i make i i played one get lost which is a card you and i were talking a little bit about yeah i like that um and i wasn't exactly sure where how i was going to bring it in it was just kind of like leyline binding number 5 another answer to blood moon another way to kill a scammed threat or whatever and um yeah it didn't actually come up much but um i think you bring it in against murktide maybe yogmoth maybe not though i don't know maybe amulet uh almost certainly against scam yeah, it felt like a card that I would probably bring in, kind of like the Veil of Summers, where it like you might board it in versus quite a few things, but it's not actually great against any of them. Is Veil good? Are you back on Veil? I played the like- two Veils. I mean, I like them against uh Murktide and Scam. And like they're not great. They're just like serviceable and acceptable. And like those decks being popular, I think are reasons to put Veil in your sideboard. What about Rhinos? Um, I brought one in the matchup I played against it. Um, it's better against um, uh, Living End because they have Grief as well. Yeah. So you get to hit both sides. You can play it proactive or reactive. Um, and I did bring in a Veil against them and get them with it, which I guess also suggests that I won the match, right? Um, yeah, like it, it, 
it is, doesn't line up against all their stuff, right? But against the Cascade decks, I think you just want as much one mana interaction as you can possibly get. Yeah. Yep, I agree. And that's the reason why I really like the Shadow Prophecies. I think these things kind of go together, right? And, yeah, and Rhinos is the type of matchup where just like, I don't, can I cut two creativities? You know, can I just go as as low as possible? And that might also be a matchup where I'd rather be persisting than creativitying. Yeah. Yeah, I've gone, I'm not actually sure. I, 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 could, I could buy that though. And like, I think that persists, the, if you... The matchups where Persist makes sense to me are the decks that have a lot of counter spells. So like Rhinos and Murktide being popular, I think are more reasons to be persisting. Yeah. So you don't have to commit your whole mana on your own turn. Murktide has zero graveyard hate. Yeah. Um, but all, those are also matchups where just like not even having very many threats is like a pretty reasonable way to beat them too. So I don't know if it's as much about Persist being good as it is like creativity or a four or five mana sorcery not being where you want to be. Yeah, but there's there's certainly something to be said for getting like free wins, right? For sure. For versus, sure. Versus like pigeonholing yourself into playing this long protracted game where like, I don't know, you know, maybe they just play like a, a five five Merc type that you can never kill because you just don't draw binding or whatever. So Yeah. Um, I will say Bitter Reunion continues to impress me about just like how much randomly giving your creatures haste is like really powerful. And it's it's not the Archon times where it, it impresses me, right? I had one round where I turned a flip fable on with haste. That was really good. And I went off with and I had another round where giving the front side of a fable haste allowed me to attack in an important spot. Yeah. Um, so just it, Bitter Reunion is just a good card. I agree. I like haste is kind of busted. Uh, the only reason I would ever like poo poo it is because of Bowmaster. Mm -hmm. I agree. And bitter reunion and shadow prophecy. Those are my two comp standard level power level commons that I just want to put in every deck. Okay. Well, uh, that would be a good segue into talking about standard, unless you have anything else to add about creativity or modern in general. I'm excited about Modern, and I can't wait to see the results from today, and I think there's a lot going on. Um, and the dust probably won't even settle before MH3 comes out. So I think it's going to be another really good year for Modern. I, I hope Standard, as we segue here, turns out to be similarly good, but I, I have a hard time imagining a world where Standard kind of re-rises back up to its previous reign of being the most popular constructed format. Yeah, I I do agree with that too, but... If anything can do it, it is forcing people to play it. Well, I think two things. Forcing people to play it, and I actually think the format's pretty freaky good right now. So. Okay. We might differ on that. All right. Well, let's talk about it. So here's the thing. What I wanted to do was, because I feel like a lot of people have not been paying attention to Standard, and again, rightfully so. No, no shade. Yeah, why but, would I? Yeah. Because uh, you, you went to one random tournament in Dallas. You yeah. Know? Well, and like Arena was the only reason and everybody on Arena is playing Timeless now. So. Oh, that's that's weird. Yeah. I'm not doing that. You might when you see it, but it looks fun. <laughs> we'll get there. Keep I going. mean, I, I, I kind of saw it, but it I don't know, just like bad Deathrite Shaman decks did not really appeal to me, but I'm sure there's more to it than that. Yeah, anyway. You don't want to play Oko Uro Deathrite. 
I could do most of that in Legacy. Yeah, that's fair. Well, I guess not most, some. Yeah, not exactly that's right part. Well, but like yeah. I have done that. I have done that in Legacy. Fair. Not altogether, but anyway, the what I wanted to do was go over like all of the big decks, talk about some of the less popular decks, what we liked, what we didn't like, and then maybe like thumbs up, thumbs down each of them for like this is something that you should consider playing. Um but what I don't like about that concept is that I'm going to thumbs down everything that's not domain. That's, I'm not surprised to hear that. Um, and my experience with standard over the last two weeks is like, I am again, baby impending. So I set up my iPad in my little to go bag and I went and basically spent 72 hours in the hospital, just like mostly downtime. Right. So the last mm -hmm. time I did this, I spent a while on my phone. So like, oh, I'm going to bring the iPad this time and I'm going to load as many standard decks as I can on it. And I imagine being like, you know, half asleep, taking care of baby, other people resting two in the morning and playing a lot of arena. So I was trying to set myself up with like a reasonable 75 with like five to 10 different decks. And then over the last week, I've played like maybe five to 10 games slash matches with each of them. And I don't actually know that I love or won a bunch or more or less with any of them, but I did learn a lot and have quite a bit of fun doing this or whatever yeah. that's worth. And I I think that if domain did not exist, then we could say that the format is probably pretty good. Because I like everything else that is going on outside of when domain is not involved. That's fair. Um I, it's funny, I didn't actually win very much when I was playing Domain, but I was, you know, in the slums of the arena ladder, so I don't know that I was playing against an accurate representation of archetypes. I don't know what people could play against me that would be good, but I think that my list is, like, a little lower to the ground than what I see other people doing. Like, maybe that, these, these lists are a little too clunky. Well, that's not surprising, and that was the direction that you were leaning always. Yeah. I mean, that, I think that's just generally how I'm going to lean pretty much always. But, uh, okay, so the, if, you go, if you go to Goldfish, you click on Domain, the first list that pops up for me is this thing from a standard challenge that went 10-0, uh, 26 land, basically green-white base at this point, don't really have a, a huge need for, like, black spot removal or whatever. Because uh, they're just playing more sweepers, so force on fall to depopulate. For leyline binding is the removal. Uh, for stomper, for archangel wrath, three atraxa. Uh, ramp is the stompers and invasion of zendikar. For herd migration, for beanstalk, and then a nissa ascended animus. And then I've seen some other lists that are playing, you know, like two copies of get lost or. Like one, you know, maybe if you want a little bit extra spot removal or something, but like there's basically no reason to be anything other than green white base at this point. Yeah. Very clean list. Yeah. Agreed. So my list differs in that I like one or two copies of Glimpse the Core, I think is the name of it. It's like the kind of bad uh, nature's lore or whatever. It's just like, search for a forest. It also does some stuff with caves, but I ain't, I ain't got no caves. 
Rampant growth. Got it. Yeah, rampant growth, but only for a forest. You Bad know? rampant growth. Bad rampant growth. Uh, can also play an, an Iron Crag in this slot, but I don't like it as much because it could get caught up in stuff like temporary lockdown or just die to a random disenchant or whatever. But like it, you know, it's within the realm of possibility. And like if you wanted to play more two mana acceleration, you could certainly do that too. And then I generally have an extra three mana ramp card, which is either a Celestis or a Spelunking. And so I, I was like trying one of each with like three stompers for a while too. And it's like, I don't know, they're both exactly fine. Yeah, I like all four stompers. Like in, in cutting one of them, my first reaction would be that that's crazy. Um, but I you could get me on board with wanting a fifth. And we talked about this a bunch before the most recent set of like the Celestis is actually probably pretty underplayed. And we were playing one of them in the ramp list for a while and it was overperforming quite a bit. Yeah, you did not play one in in Dallas when you won, which was kind of funny because then people copied your list. Yeah. Right? Whereas, and if I had one on me and like that morning of that tournament, you probably could have talked me into it. And that I think that was the one card difference that Brian and I had was that he had a Celestis in his list and I didn't. And that was just card availability. It wasn't worth the effort. Yep. And instead, Brian won 6-2. You won the tournament and people are like still it. forget that the card exists right yeah so if he didn't punt his round he ends up winning the tournament everybody copies his list now there's a celestis and everything yep exactly so who yeah. knows but like the splunking's fine too making uh all of your trilands etb untapped is actually pretty nice again like no cave synergies but uh it is what it is uh um, yeah the celestis is still good and yeah i i agree like stomper is probably the best of those ramp cards, and I don't necessarily want to cut one, but uh, also considerations for it being like double green, right? So if you yeah. want to, you know, make make your draws like a little bit smoother or whatever, you could make that argument maybe, but I think you should still probably just play four stoppers. I mean, especially now that we're basically a two-color deck. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's easier and kind of harder. Like, do you want to use a Cavern of Souls? On, on Dinosaur? I don't know. Or Plant, I guess. Plant Dinosaur. I did have a lot of fun the first time I played this deck of my creature types because I was not familiar and I was just in Arena, so like not super easy to just pull stuff up. Yeah. And like Arena's smart enough to like, which is one of the best features ever, Magic Online Feature Request. When you play a Cavern, it only shows you the creature types of the creatures in your deck. Yep. Which is one of the best features I've ever seen. And you can still name other stuff, right? You if can you search wanted... for other stuff if you deliberately type it. But like... Yeah, if the, you wanted the, bluff equity or whatever. The shortcut window, the first time I play Cavern, you know, six creature types come up and I'm like, well, crap. Like, is a Traxa a, a dinosaur? And like, what's a plant in my deck? And these were all questions that ran through my head. And, you know, once you look, it's really easy to figure out what to name. But um, I did have a little fun 30 second fumble. Yeah, where you're like, uh, okay, dino, sure. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Archangel of Wrath and Atraxa are both angels. So Cavern works out pretty well, especially because you can pay the kicker for Archangel of Wrath off the Cavern, so it fixes for her, which is cool. Uh, and I, I say cool, where like Cavern of Souls is kind of like the main offender now in my mind. Where before it's like if you wanted to really beat up on this deck, you could just do something like Esper or Azoria Soldiers. Uh, or like the blue-white mid-range like I was playing before and just like load up on disdainful strokes and stuff like that. You just can't even do that anymore. Yep. It doesn't. And like we talked a bit about this a little bit last week with Matt too. 
you know, 10 years ago when Cavern first got printed. That was a pro tour that all of us played and remember vividly. And the big mistake that we all made, at least that Matt and I, I don't want to speak for you, I'm pretty sure you might have deviated. We played a deck with too many cavernous souls and we warped our deck for cavern and it was a huge mistake. So like one of my first reactions and seeing everybody play for cavern in like this rant deck or whatever was like, oh man, maybe they shouldn't do that. Like do that yep. with caution. I've made that mistake before. Yup, but it's but in, right. But in practice, it's just absurdly good. Yep. It's just so clean. It's so much better than it should be. It is very, very good. And I would play four and certainly my initial reaction before the set was even out, just like sketching out deck lists. I was like, eh, three caverns, I guess, you know, and then I, all the lists had four. I was like, no way. You're like maybe you sideboard the fourth or something. And it was like, no, it's actually just a good mana fixer. Yep. It's just a good mana fixer. It's a good untapped land. Uh, being able to cast Stomper and Archangel is like the key. And yeah, very impressed. And I would, I, I might, I, I think I'm buying what you're selling. If maybe Cavern is actually the problem if we think domain is too strong or powerful. Well, I mean, it is, but also like Atraxa is kind of the problem. I don't know if you just like nix Atraxa, if, you know, maybe we start playing like Carnosaurs and Atalis or something, and it just changes slightly, and maybe you just have the same sort of issue, but... Yeah, I mean, Archangel to me is also like part of the equation of why this deck is so powerful is because like it bridges the gap from being like a threat and an answer. And like it's like kind of like reminds me of what One Ring did for Tron of like bridging that gap. Yeah. Of like, oh, you didn't have a ramp draw, but like maybe you just like play a freaking three, four lifelink on turn four. And there's actually that's actually pretty good a surprising amount of the time. Yeah, and it's like you can just play this for five and kick it and deal two and like yeah. two life, and that's still pretty solid. But, uh, yeah, this is the Archangel of Wrath is kind of the glue against a lot of these decks because otherwise you have like herd migration, sure, but you would need to connect with like an Atraxa to actually stabilize. Whereas Archangel just does it all for relatively cheap, honestly. Yeah, like. The amount of cards, so like all the other decks we're going to talk about are like pretty low to the ground, which is kind of necessary to beat this, especially given where Cavern's at. But like the only meaningful interaction you have in this deck before turn four is Leyline Binding. Yes. There is nothing else you do to interact in any meaningful way. Which, again, is kind of why I like Glimpse the Core and maybe playing like a Get Lost or something. I could also see... Temporary lockdown. I mean, this this deck has four up to beanstalks. I I could take it or leave it. You know. Yeah. Um. Tell me about the um the other card that got cut that I was like surprised and thinking through was the the one that makes a a one one citizen yeah, courier's briefcase. That's the other two mana ramp option, which which was fine. Yeah. And I I think does a lot of stuff, but nothing particularly well and. If if like you mulligan and draw that card, it feels pretty especially bad, you know? So I think given that we have Glimpse, uh, you don't really need to play it anymore. And I also, I don't know, like people are just like, oh, I'm going to play four Beanstalks because it's good or whatever. When I also think that there are just going to be metagames where like maybe you want two lockdowns made, you know? Yeah, and lockdown does put that interesting tension on the Beanstalks, but it does seem... And in the games I played for whatever it's worth, Beanstalks were quite strong and better than they had been historically when we were playing before. So I don't 
I don't think they're bad by any means, but it's just a question of whether or not they are necessary and whether or not you should be doing something else with your mana in the early game. Yeah, and I think a lot of that's going to come down to, like, can you afford not to play four if we think this is the best deck and how is, how important is it in the mirror? Yeah, and I, I've i mentioned this before where just, like, my ramp games have not come down to decking and uh, people are playing, like, Jace, the Perfected Mind in the sideboard. Some, sometimes you'll see, like, a copy main and still my games have not played out that way, so I really don't understand. Yeah. My ramp, I played the ramp mirror in that Star City like four times and never came down anywhere close to decking. But when I watch other people playing or streaming, like it seems to come up quite a bit and I, I just don't understand. Yeah, so me either. it hasn't been my experience. I but, don't get it. Um, Would you recommend domain to, is that the, is that the, we're, we're just leading on the, if I'm new to the format and looking to throw something together on arena? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you're talking like arena specifically, it's it's a lot of wild cards, right? I don't know. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, Hopefully, it's a lot of uh, is a lot of rares, not mythics. Because yeah, of all ten the mythics, ten mythic, forty rares. Yeah, forty rares. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, hopefully, you have some of the stuff already, you know. But if you were not drafting and you have to craft like all these sunfalls and herd migrations, that sucks. But I I do promise you, it will be worth it unless they do something about it. Which yeah, you know. Yeah. The triumphs really do a number on you from a rare wild card point of view. Yeah, but maybe maybe you have those already, and it's not that bad. I don't know, but uh, this deck is very good. I think that you you mentioned that a lot of the decks are pretty low to the ground. I I agree with that because at at this point where you know when when it got to like eight set standard, it's like oh these decks are like all pretty fast and pretty efficient. You know, it's like we're well past that now. Yeah, right? and. The decks are starting to look better and better, despite there also be like multiple cards that have been banned out of these decks. Um, but a lot of them still do exist in the mid-range space where having something like Atraxa and specifically Cavern into Atraxa just beats up on everyone so badly. And I don't even know what the best way to fight this is other than trying to go under it. But if they cared enough, they could even fight that stuff. You know, it's like you move some of the lockdowns main play some cheaper spells you know don't play four invasion of zendikar that sort of stuff yeah the arms race on the mid-range decks is like the dangerous thing right and domain pushes them down and if they keep fighting against each other they're gonna slowly get bigger and bigger right but then yeah you queue into domain and it's just like oh well what, what am i supposed to do here yeah my cavern into shieldred isn't exactly good there no, I mean that's that's kind of the other thing is I don't even think Shieldred is that good anymore. Nope. And yeah. Bloodbraid Elf's good though. It is good. So uh second deck, this Rakdos mid-range deck. I uh, love this because I was playing that green black deck and I got to a point where I had a pretty reasonable plan against Domain where it's like, I don't know, maybe you're maybe you're 55 45 or whatever. Um and this is just doing a lot of the same stuff, but better, where it has Blood Tithe Harvester, Deep Cavern Bat, Bat, excellent card, a uh, couple Gicks, four Preacher of the Schism, four Geological Appraiser, three Shieldred, uh, four Trumpeting Carnosaur, a Bone Horde Dracosaur, which, yeah, is powerful, but I feel like should probably not be here. 
Uh, and then there's five removal spells, three cruelty of Gix, one extract the truth, 25 land. I feel like uh, 26 lands, probably more removal, or at the very least, more removal that kills Atraxa, because right now they have two go for the throat. Uh, if you're playing three cruelty, I feel like you, you need like all the go for the throats you can get, you know? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. Only having two seems totally psycho. It is weird. Extract the Truth is interesting where I knew that like Pilfer existed. I forgot about this one though. Like opponent sacrifices an enchantment, could free up a thing from playline binding or whatever. Like still it's still not great, but it seems it seems it, it seems pretty aggressively targeted at domain. And if that like, you know, is a place you want to be, then that kind of makes sense. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like if you were like, okay, build your deck to beat domain, I would still probably not have this card in my deck. But Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Oh, I don't I, know. I don't really get why it's there then, if I'm being honest. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, you, you have Carnosaurs to sort of be removal spells, but they're bad removal spells. Oh, they are so much worse than Bone Crusher Giant. It is, yes. like, startling. Yeah, but the rest of this stuff, I, I like what's going on here. I mean, I would I would slim this thing down. Bonehorde Dracosaur, get out. Shieldred, yeah, you're probably gone. Maybe, maybe play, like, one or two or something, but would look at Maybe another two drop. Uh, underdog is the first thing that comes to mind. Maybe there's something better. Maybe another three drop. But the the cruelty of Gix, kill your Atraxa plan is pretty reasonable. You, I especially like that you have like appraiser to rebuild from a sweeper because like okay, so my plan with green black against ramp was to play two drop three drop, and then play some planeswalkers after that. Because your creatures were going to be pressuring them. They were going to have to sweep them. But you didn't want to just overextend into the sweeper, nor did you want to just like pass with open mana. And developing with like Liliana or Soren was like the next best thing that you could do, which I thought honestly both of them were pretty good, you know? Yeah, makes total sense and seems even better now that the decks are leaning more on Wraths than they were before. Yeah. And I mean, you also have like Bat to maybe get a Wrath too if they're light on wraths or it's post board game and you have like duress in addition to them and stuff so i think that this this is possible where you could have an okay ramp matchup but it's never going to be better than just okay yeah you might be able to get it close to 50 50 yeah but it's hard to imagine it ever tipping that scale and I, I, yeah, I do gets- like the look of this i like all the cards yeah, Cruelty of Gex and Breach the Multiverse, again, were the two places that you were jumping to, and that's also the direction this is going. So they're on to something. Um, they are, for but. sure. And I like I like the red cards instead of the green ones because Appraiser and Carnosaur let you play much longer games, and this is a deck that is trying to kind of beat down, but is also really trying to set itself up for those longer games, too. Yep. So this is kind of the mid-range deck that out mid-ranges the other mid-range stuff, but probably gets bullied by ramp a decent amount. Yeah, I could really use like a three-mana threat to proactively play against them. Yeah, Glissa would be great. I've seen yeah. some Jun lists, but like I I don't realistically want to do that unless somehow magically all the creature types aligned, but I don't think that's the case when you have like Blood Tithe Harvester and whatnot, so. Yeah. 
it's a good thing Fable's not legal because, man, yeah. it would slide right in here so yeah, nice. Yeah, it would be pretty good here. Yeah, I mean, it's good in every red deck, but, like, this is a Fable deck. Absolutely. And also, like, Appraiser into Fable. Come on, yeah, okay. That would have been a problem. Yeah, no, that's fine. I'm sure just... I mean, I guess when they designed Appraiser, they were assuming Fable was going to rotate, right? So. Yeah, I don't know, actually, if they shipped the set knowing whether or not it was going to rotate. That's interesting. Regardless. Yeah, ultimately, it doesn't really matter all that much. But uh, yeah, this deck with the, like its, its sixes and fives, play 26 land. Yeah. Please. Your play lands please. do stuff, too. Like, yeah. Right? You got all kinds of lands that do stuff. You got vent, Restless Vents, some, some legendary lands. The Vents filters away excess lands. Cavernous Souls is pretty reasonable. Uh, you got like blood token from the other guy. I mean, come on. Uh, do you do you like this deck in general? Do you think like did you how much did you play with this actually? So this is the one of the few decks that we were going to talk about that I haven't played with. Okay, but I I have not played with this yet either because I just I kept winning with ramp and it was just like uh, I I don't see a reason to stop doing this. You know. Yeah, I mean Snook was messaging me similar situation on the iPad over the holidays talking about this deck and I was like dude I, I can't take you seriously you tell me Rakdos is good in random format like yeah. I have no idea if I should believe you or not yep the the boy who cried Rakdos yeah but um, on paper it looks great it's very clean it has a lot of tools it can flex to beat different matchups if you want to it's, it's strong deck so the uh, other one looks boring though uh Maybe. You asked me, this is boring. I don't know. All your cards do things. Yeah. I think we're going to get to this more. Like, the bat is the real deal. Yes. Okay, so, well, next up. Esper midrange. Uh, like legends, but not as many legends, because all the rare spells are better. Actually, let's let's do a rare check on this one. Oh, my God. It's somehow worse. 11 mythics, 43 rares. Yeah, which is crazy. And I, I think the big difference for me between Esper midrange and Esper legends is Skrelv. Like, the existence of that card, to me, changes the dynamic of the way the deck plays out quite a bit. Uh, Rakdos is 11 Mythics, 29 rares. For the okay, more, more attainable, but like... Only a two-color deck, which I think is the reason, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Skrelv. I love a Skrelv. I think Skrelv is great, but I also think not pigeonholing yourself into playing, like, 28 creatures to go with your four Plaza of Heroes is where you want to be, especially when... All the spells are this good. You got the subterranean schooner. You got wedding announcement. Virtue of loyalty is pretty solid. Yeah, the mana is really good. Your lands do stuff still. I don't think you necessarily need to be legends. And like the, the big reason to be legends is the lands, right? I think um, you get the plaza. You get your, your lands essentially become your spells. I, I think if Thalia was good too. Oh, that's fair. And Thalia is just not really where you want to be right now. It's it's fine. She's fine, but these decks are not locked into like oh my deck is only spells, right? Like you delay their sweeper by a turn, but they're also ramping with a creature, you know? So, how yeah. much does that actually help you? Yeah, that's got to feel bad. I always I mean the wedding announcement virtual loyalty cards have always been that package has always overperformed for me. I've always enjoyed that. And even going back when you were really liking green-black, I really wanted to play 
announcement in virtue. Um, and this is a deck I've played quite a bit of and won quite a bit with. I don't I don't think Esper's bad. And I think that if you did not expect a lot of domain but didn't know what the rest of the format was going to be, this would be a good place to be because this is just a pretty good catch-all against everything. Like, all of your cards are powerful. You get to interact with a bunch of different permanent types. You get to interact on the stack and both once something is resolved, you have a lot of, like, card advantage, a lot of filtering. Uh, if, if Camera Souls did not exist, I would be solidly thumbs upping this deck. I agree. The quick sidebar on the subterranean schooner. Yeah. That card's good. Oh, I like that card. Yeah. Quite strong. And we'll get to like a, a different variation of this deck without the white in a minute, but that is a deck I've also played quite a bit of recently and enjoyed. Yeah, I have uh, two, and it's it's funny because they kept making like two mana blue vehicles and they're just all bad. Yeah, and they all tricked me. So then this one, I was just like, uh, 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 not gonna get tricked again. But yeah. it, it's just quite good. Yeah, it's um, it, it does a pretty good smuggler's copter impression. Uh, look, man, I'm not gonna say that impression. Okay, we're in standard. It 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 does it. Uh, yeah, it. They fix this one and only triggers on when it attacks, not when it blocks. Thank God. Yeah, it's always the most baffling part of me of for copter is that it triggers when it blocks. But it's it, that card overperformed for me quite a bit. And any of the decks that are including it makes sense. And going back to like when I was playing Esper a year ago, like the things it was missing were good two drops. And now it's got the bat. It's got the schooner. It's got I, it, the options are plentiful. And some of the cards we were considering playing aren't even remotely close to this deck anymore. Yeah, agreed. Virtue too, right? Virtue loyalty is a two drop. Yes. Effectively. So yep. the amount of things you can do to le to curve into your fiend are a lot higher. Yeah, definitely. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know what else I can really say about this deck because it's like, oh, you have a problem with this? Well, the the answer probably exists in like the Esper colors or whatever, right? So just change your deck by 10 cards and you'll yeah. probably solve the issue, right? So even the specific cards are not all that important. I'm sure if you like look at the deck list, they're all going to be wildly different too. Can you think of a reason to play the Esper mid-range deck over Rakdos? Or do you think it's just like more of the same stuff? Uh, I think that, I, I would assume at least that Rakdos is probably pretty good here. I would hope so with all the uh, fake Cascade stuff. And just the fact that you can kind of go over the top of the wedding announcement virtue stuff. But if what you are mostly running into in standard is like these ground poundy creature decks, there's not a whole lot you could do better than wedding announcement virtue loyalty as like this way to just kind of lock the game up in the mid game. But I don't know, I guess, how many of those decks exist or are going to exist. So it's kind of hard to say, but yeah. I think overall, I'd probably recommend someone Esper first. Like the curve's a little bit lower. You have counter spells and and the black cards and a lot of card advantage. Maybe a little bit more than Rakdos. So it just seems like a little bit more solid. Whereas Rakdos is maybe a, a little bit more hard targeting certain things. Yeah, it makes sense. Make disappear really paying a big price for 
cavern's existence. And that I feel yep. like that's tipping the scales quite a bit. Yeah, because otherwise I would just be like, oh, well, this this deck has blue in it, therefore it's better. Yeah. But now you can't just say that anymore, which... Yeah, notably really- notably Shieldred's in the sideboard of the Esper deck, not the main deck. Yeah, I was looking, clicking through some of them and I saw some that did have Shieldred main. But- yeah, I mean, I would never fault anybody for it, right? But I get it, but I do think that the format's pretty fast and against ramp it does very little. It's fair. So who's who's it good against besides like mono red? Uh Azorius Soldiers is another deck that I'm kind of surprised, I guess, is is still a thing. Yeah, I don't get why it's still a thing. Another wedding announcement virtual loyalty deck for whatever that's worth. Yeah. And I think one of the big selling points to this deck specifically is that you're just straight two colors. You have a pretty lean mana base. You have a pretty nice engine. And once you have like Takesha's Welcome in the mix, then I I start to see why this is kind of a deck that people are still playing. And I guess to some degree, this is a deck that can play Cavern of Souls too, which is nice because a lot of their stuff overlaps. But like Soldiers is even kind of like a misnomer at this point because it's what, 14 soldiers total? Yeah, trending down. The yeah. um, 14 I mean, out of 26. The Harbin is still like the most powerful thing I think you can be doing, right? So like getting too far away from them, it seems uh, hesitant to, but like Tidebinder is a, powerful card that obviously fits right at home here so might be part of the reason why this is still doing reasonably well yeah i mean like lunark veteran with you playing to the battlefield a lot going pretty wide having knight Aaron of eos i i think that there are arguments for that sort of thing like if you're playing against more mono red sort of stuff then this is where you'd want to be but for the most part, I think Esper is maybe going to go like a little bit bigger than you, especially when they have a bunch of different spot removal options to just break apart the synergy things that you're doing, you know? Yeah. But in certain metagames, I like this, but otherwise, I think I would just go with a more normal mid-range deck. This is, again, assuming that, I don't know, you ignore my advice and don't play Domain. But Listen, man. Domain's only going to be 20% of the field, which means 80% of the people are going to ignore you. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, also, the deck is pretty expensive compared to all the other things, too. So I don't I don't blame anyone. Yeah. But if they have access to all the cards and they're like, I'm playing this instead, well, I don't know. Then you're probably wrong. So tabletop price is not arena. Domain's $352. 436 for Rakdos, 509 for Esper. So Rakdos and Esper are quite a bit more expensive. Where where are you getting this domain number? Because this says five hundred. Oh, the front page of Goldfish says three fifty two, but then when I click into it, it says four ninety seven. Oh yeah, they're lying to you. Yeah. So, um, let's see what's pushing that number up a bunch. Caverns and Atraxas and Jetmere's Garden. Holy smokes! Okay. Oh yeah, those those lands are climbing. Yeah, those lands are climbing, and yeah, anybody who specced on those is doing well. Yep. Uh, yeah, whereas, hopefully, I think if you did, you know, some amount of standard stuff, maybe you have some of these cards, like, oh, I still have, like, my Rafines, or, like, I have my Tide Binders from 
you know, rhinos or something, then then you're doing okay. But if you're waiting till now to get like wedding announcements, you know, I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's it, that's fifteen bucks. Yeah, there's still like I, I guess like the the spread on the Rakdos and Esper decks. There's a little bit more even, but like the domain decks, like a bunch of random cards that are a buck, and then a bunch of cards that are you know fifteen and twenty. Not a lot of in between. Ooh, bright side. If you cut Shieldred from your Rakdos deck, that's half the cost of the deck. Okay. <laughs> yeah, nice. Because then yeah. it's just like commons and cascade cards and and Cavern of Souls. If you yeah. Shieldred and Cavern of Souls represent eighty five percent of the deck. Yep. So uh, maybe my statement is more Esper driven than Rakdos. Yeah. Esper's got a bunch of expensive cards because I don't know, like wedding announcements is is expensive. Virtue of loyalty is expensive. A lot of the lands like Odawara is seventeen dollars. Tide binders, yeah. Yeah, you got some tri lands. Nah. Oh yeah, yeah the just... shattered the shattered sanctum lands are climbing too. Those are like fifteen now. Holy smokes! I want to say those were like four bucks. Yeah, they weren't a lot. I might have gotten the ones that I have for eight, but like I don't know. I don't have shattered sanctum. I have no interest in shattered sanctum. Yeah, I got a bunch of shattered sanctums. Uh, let's talk about blue black, which is like. The weird, you know, like Soldiers is kind of like the slim down Esper mid-ranges is the flip side of that, where you have like Spyglass Siren, uh, the Bat, obviously, Gix. Uh, the one I'm looking at has like Preacher, Tidebinder, Shieldred, and the 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 Schooner. Is it Schooner? Like SK? Uh, I don't know. I was I was calling it like a Schooner, but Schooner? Know. Dude, I don't know. I'm just gonna call it the Scooter. Yeah, whatever. Your your smuggler's copter, yeah, it's my blue copter. Um, I played a good amount with this deck with a list that's quite a bit cleaner than this. I would say. All right. And what I've always, you, what'd you have? What did you like? I've always had a real soft spot for Gix. Just love the card, love curving out into it. So I saw a deck with four Gix, and it looked it looked to me like the first iteration of this that started showing up in the challenges. That was where they started. Okay. It was like, I'm going to play four gigs, and then like, what can I do around that to like make that work and make that good? Yeah, a lot um, of two drop flyers. You even got some one drop flyers. Yeah. And, you know, the scooter's hard to block on turn three, right? Yeah, four, like, four toughness. It doesn't need flying. It's just, it's it's tough to block. So, um, there was a lot going on there. And the, the Preacher is a card. I'm still kind of like, I can't really figure out if I think it's good or not. I've played a bunch with it and against it, and I still have no idea if it does anything. I am mostly on the same page. It like it does stuff, but I can't tell if it is contributing to me actually winning games. I don't think it is. I mean, it has a lot of words on it. It does. And it's got it, you know, three mana two four death touch is like not too shabby to begin with, right? It like, you know, very noticeably does not die to cut down. So but I I don't know. I'm not very afraid when my opponent plays it on turn three. Yeah. So. I like I like Cartsail Larsonist a lot, and I like Tidebinder a lot. Yeah, and the, you know the the Spyglass Siren overperformed for me a lot when I played this deck. Yeah, Siren's awesome. So that was like one of the things that made me think, okay, this this might be a real thing. Um, I would just be curious about how quickly it can close out games, and you know, Atraxa with a Cavern on turn five or six seems like a pretty scary thing. I agree. I, I mean, that's evergreen for 
these mid-range decks, though. Like, yeah. Esper mostly has smaller creatures, but Rafine can kill you pretty quick. And Wedding Announcement turns the corner pretty soon also. But Blue-Black doesn't really have a way to do that. They're like, here's a bunch of one-power things. Maybe I explore on them a little bit. But in the meantime, I'm just like, you know, drawing some extra cards with like Gix or whatever and hoping that that's good enough. But yeah, when, it's... Yeah, when your main thing is like, oh, make disappear, and I just hope that they never draw a cavern or hope they never draw an Atraxa. Like, it's just not a good plan. No. Um, it, it, cavern Atraxa combination, the more we keep talking about it, the more problematic that keeps sounding, right? Like, there's not really profitable ways to interact with that. Like, and that discard spell maybe makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. Right? Of You, you can't interact with it on the stack, and if you're going to kill it after it comes into play, you basically got a turn or two to kill them or else they're going to like, you know, just beat you with raw cardboard. So. Yeah, but even then, it's like, uh, like a two-mana discard spell, specifically against a deck that is accelerating, is such a tempo loss that, okay, maybe you snipe their one Atraxa, but they can still pretty easily just beat you with a herd migration too. You know, it's just maybe a little bit harder. Yeah. But it's not like they have a lack of powerful cards on the top end. And like a lot of these decks, like the blue black deck, like they don't want to see Cavern Archangel of Wrath either. Or I just died to like a seven, seven stupid Phyrexian thing all the time too. Right. Like, yeah. Like, uh, there's a lot of different ways they can kill you. Um, yeah. Uh, it's like, don't, don't get us wrong where it's like, Oh, if I just unmoored ego, the, the Atraxa or whatever. Is there an Unmoored Ego equivalent in in the format? I'm sure there is. They print one every set. Yeah, and I, I feel like that was maybe on my my list of potential sideboard options for Green Black at some point. There might be one of them, but it's just like it doesn't necessarily do anything. So don't don't think that that'll just get you out of it because it doesn't. Yeah. But this blue black deck, I like. I want it to be good. I enjoyed playing with it. I think there's, you know, enough of the more fringe cards overperform for me in the games that, like, I do think there's something here. Um, And I think the scooter is really good. And this might be the best scooter deck I've seen. I saw a lot of these decks start with four, and now they're playing, like, two or three, and I don't know why. Yeah, you're just not going to catch me dead registering less than four in this deck. Yeah, I mean, especially once you have, like, the sirens and stuff. Like, in, in the Esper mid-range deck, okay, I kind of understand it, you know? I think that yeah. that's fine. That makes sense. But this deck specifically is, like, so low to the ground, so efficient, or at least it's trying to be. Yeah, so I, I'm pulling up and comparing with the list that I've been playing with. The, the This list we're staring at on Goldfish has quite a few less two-mana cards. and They went down to just one of the Malcolm and one Fairy Mastermind. Um... I didn't have any Fairy Master, but I was playing three of the Malcolm. I think you're... Oh, three Malcolm? Yeah. Okay. Um, how, how did you like that card? Start. Uh, I was impressed with it. Just like a 2-1 Flying Flash. Like I, The games I was running with this deck were one I got on the board quick. Yeah, but okay, so th- those are the same stats as Fairy Mastermind. Yeah. So what about the situations where your opponent plays a beanstalk or like Rafine or whatever? Like you want that ability uh, coupled with the potential mid to late game activating it sort of thing versus like the immediate payoff looting thing of Malcolm. 
Yeah, I did get four counters on Malcolm a few times, and I don't okay. know how often that'll come up, right? But it doesn't I think, seem that hard. No, it doesn't. Um, it does make it awkward where, like, if you want to crew the scooter, you don't get your trigger, or whatever. But um, I think the thing I feel strongly about is having a healthy number of two drops, and less strongly about which one. Yeah, I'm looking at one that has like four four drops, and it's like, can, can we just cut all of them? Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. Let's get lower to the ground, please. Like we're we're playing spyglass siren, you know. We're uh, so I get that art. Like this one is like two archfiend of the draws, two shieldred, and it's like okay, those cards actually kill people, whereas like none of our other cards really kill anyone. So I get the appeal to like, well, I need something that actually has power, but I also don't want to draw these cards a lot of the time. Yeah, doesn't make a whole ton of sense to me. Um. I would just want to keep getting lower. So uh, that seems to be a trend in the theme with you on all the decks that we talk about of just, you know, lower your curve a little bit, maybe out of land. Yeah. The one I was looking at, to be fair, did have 26. Uh, but I don't know, even like Airtie. I think Airtie is better than those cards. Yeah. Airtie to me makes sense. It's very different than Shieldred of like, this is like, I want to develop my board and then hold this up or rather like, than this being a thing I develop. Or maybe like... Uh, I guess the list I was looking at didn't have Tidebinder, but it's like you could Tidebinder the Traxa Trigger and kill it, which is not ideal, but like that is a way to to get around it and to deal with it. Yes. Yeah. It's still shocking, too, about like how like these decks all don't feel like they have a ton of spells or a ton of removal. And then even once they have removal, like they're all in like the six or seven range is even like the high numbers. And a whole bunch of them don't kill a Traxa. Yeah, that I don't understand. Because even if you Tidebinder the trigger, if you don't kill the Atraxa with one of these mid-range decks, you're still probably going to lose to it. Yeah. Not to mention Shieldred, too. Like, because, like, the cards that don't kill Atraxa don't kill Shieldred. Yeah, so, like, this Anoint with Affliction, why, what is that doing there? Yeah, I don't know. Enic? I mean... it, It was good against the Dread Knight, but, like... Yeah, they probably just lost to the Dread Knight one too many times. That's, I mean, that's not a thing. Also, I can't imagine losing to that card when you have like Spyglass Siren and, and the Schooner. Like before, well, it was more of a thing, but now well, it's just... I guess it's the Schooner, man, because you can't go for the throw it. You can't cut down it. Okay, that that's fine. That makes sense, but I would still... I mean, at that point, I don't know, the, the list I'm looking at now has three cut down, one anoint, and it's like, well, that's a lot of those and only two go for the throats, and I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> the Schooner's hard to kill, man. Uh, the more we talk about it, the more I like that card, and that's just like, kind of where I want to be. It is tough to kill, but you just you got to race it. You can't kill them all the time, and also like it's not like anyone's even playing four four scooters. So yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, I don't know. Um, we skip past mono red. Uh, yeah. I mean, I you you just kept hinting at Demir, so I want to talk oh. about it. But yeah, I'm just excited about it, so I I jumped the gun there. Mono Red has like 20 awesome cards. I love all their spells. I love Play With Fire. I love Lightning Strike. I love uh, Monstrous Fury. I love Witch Stalker Frenzy. And this list even has a Strangle. I like Strangle quite a bit. And I like Monastery Swift Spear. This list has two Monastery Swift Spears. I don't like that, but whatever. Uh, The rest of the deck kind of sucks. Yeah. It's not great. <laughs> no, like Phoenix Chick, 
Well, the one that always gets me is the charming scoundrel, which yeah. has so many words and it's a two mana rare with haste and it's got all this text. So every time they play it, I'm like, oh, this is going to do something. No. And never. it doesn't do and none of the all the modes are terrible. To be fair, they have four bloodthirsty adversary and three Felden already, which are the good ones. Well, they're not maxing on them. Well, Felden's legendary, so I, I kind of understand that. But sure, uh, yeah, I agree that Scoundrel is not a strong card. It um, it doesn't make any sense to me. Godric uh, is fine. Squee to some degree is fine. But I, I don't know. Are none of these decks playing Monstrous Rage? Am I blind? No, the the one that shows up on Goldfish, like first place in this challenge, is not. But I think I just clicked I through like, like four or five and didn't see any. And no, I always I, lose to that card on Arena. So the the first five O list does have two Monstrous Rage, but they also have three Thundering Raiju, which I don't like. But they have four Swiss Spear, so that's good. Kind of weird. Kind of weird. Yeah, the first set of five O's is all the same deck. Yeah. And Kamana's great, obviously. But, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's like kind of the, their best creature. It's not even a creature. Furnace Punisher, sure. Down with that card. The the good draws from Mono Red are scary and hard to beat. And I guess that's kind of true always. But I'm with you on they half their deck is not quite up to snuff with everybody else. Yeah, but if you if you fill them out. If you give them like an actual good one drop uh, to go with Swiss Spear and Kumano, then then I think we're talking, you know, they, like they're yeah. close. They're very close. It's just their deck has not gotten better really in, I don't know, six sets or something. Yeah. All right. I got a fun one. Uh, the most expensive card in this list is Bloodthirsty Adversary. Yeah. That, that card was climbing. Yeah. It's going way up. Do you know what the second most expensive card is? <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at it right now. It's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Play with fire. Yeah, I mean, it, it's Sokensen, but uh, also, yeah, play with fire. Is oh, sure. You have one Sokensen. Yeah, and it's close. It's close, too. But, um, yeah, if you this deck, basically, if you have four Bloodthirsty Adversary, basically, you could get this deck for like 30 bucks. Oh, one of these decks has three Adversaries and four Scoundrels. I imagine the scoundrel makes no sense to me, man. I just I that that is not a constructed playable card when I read it. It is not good. It's not like, good. Like it, it's a two mana two two haste, and when it dies, they lose a life, right? Yeah, and that's it. That's it. Like you don't ever use the other abilities, in, right? In well, okay, so you can wicked roll something else. Sure, but this thing has haste, so like. No, I know, but I'm saying like, oh, if you need like this other thing to get like say the ground's locked up, but you got a Phoenix chick just chipping away at him. Yeah. Like, okay, I guess we do that. In theory, you have the treasure token thing for these decks playing the Raiju. I th I think the Raiju is not very good, but, you know, live your life. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. In, in theory, it has modes, but uh, the card overall is not very powerful. I don't know that there is anything better. Yeah, maybe um, there's not. And honestly, that my my reaction to that is that's terrifying because all of these other decks we've talked about, it seems like there's a plethora of options at all different spots. Yes, but Mono Red has not gotten that sort of love no, in quite it, some time. It doesn't have a lot of choices, and I still think it's a pretty good deck. Like, what are you going to do? Picnic Ruiner? 
<laughs> Listen, man. Um, we're already at draft level cards, and not to mention how terrible the sideboard looks. But I, I don't think the sideboard is terrible. I mean, I'm not when I say terrible, it's not like, oh, they should be doing something different. It's more like if they continue to print cards in standard that are red, like there is a lot of opportunity to improve. Yes, I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, uh, like if, I, if, if Monterey was a stock, I would I, I'd be buying it a year for a year to, in, with plans of selling it a year from now. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, what else do we got? Is there anything else that you have experience playing with? I mean, this stupid blue-white artifacts deck that I lose to more than I'm willing to admit. And I never really understand how. They're just cards, man. Got some Market Gnomes, some Thran Spiders. Yeah, the some... Thran Spider is the one that messed with me. Thousand Moon Smithy. Love that card. I don't understand. I mean, I this sounds silly now that I'm saying it because the card literally has the word spider in its name. But that fact that that stupid artifact thing has reached just like blew my mind. Yeah, it doesn't look like it. I suicided a flyer right into it. And they yeah. blocked, and I was like, I looked away, I looked back, I was like, where'd my creature go? Yep, been there. <laughs> these, they keep printing these red commons that have reach that don't make any sense to me, too. It happens to me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, that there's, it's like, why does this 5-4 have reach? Yeah, it just doesn't make know? any... No red 5-drop common has supposed to have reach. That's just, like, not now how magic's worked for 20 years. Yeah. Well, I, I have not learned, okay? Old habits die hard. Maybe someday. But uh, yeah, I mean, this this deck has a lot of cards that I like, but it, it is also kind of like a block deck where block is also just one set, right? Like Foundry, Sawblades, Braided Net, Smithy, Glyph Bridge, Market Gnome all come from one set, and then there's like three other cards from different sets. Yeah. Yeah, it's not playing with a lot. And the the big thing for me is like, I don't think the ceiling on like the, the most powerful draws you can get with this deck are that great or really keep up. And it's got a lot of scrappy cards that I feel like can win in some more broken games. But um, I also just don't understand how it ever beats Rant. Well, yeah, that that's the thing is that like you, you probably don't. But like you got you got eight creatures in your deck that have a combined eight power. Yeah, but I think that this is probably pretty good against mid-range. Yeah, that has to be it because, you know, um, it's probably fine against some of the lower red decks, but, like, I can't imagine. I just I, I can't imagine them beating Ramp. Dude, Market so. Gnome, your turn. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What can it, you do? And it, it's, like, climbing, too. 5% of the metagame. Well, let's look at 7 days. Well, it's different, right? So, uh, 3.1. I mean, I'll tell you, it's quite a bit more popular on Arena. I believe that. Especially people drafted the set. Yeah. I got the um, meta breakdown on Arena. Let me. Let me... From where? Untapped.gg. Yeah, but like, oh, that's, I, I... that's only for people who opt into using their thing. Yeah, that's fair. It's not everything, but it isn't. It's not. A, it's a non-zero amount of data. Maybe, maybe it gets their opponents' stuff too. I don't know, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly where they get 
all the data from? I, is it only people that use their client? Well, yeah, it it starts there, but I don't know if it's also taking into account their opponent's archetype. Yeah, I mean, but in terms of like when they post win rates and stuff, well, it's it's the same thing with like seventeen lands. Also, it's just like how is every deck, every draft color combination fifty five percent win rate? You know, yeah, it's, only it's, good players are doing it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's all in context, right? But all right, best of three win rates for the oh, the date range is not good. <laughs> for the last three years, turns out Esper has been pretty good. Yeah. No, it's, um, hold please. So again, it's going to have the same conundrum of like, you know, the mean win rate is going to be closer to 55 or 60%, not 50% as you would expect, but, yep. for, but ramp is 61%. I mean, that's really high. That's absurdly high. Um, absurdly high. And it does map out. Oh, this is cool. It maps out win rates like over time. So you can see like the win rate of each deck over the course of the last handful of weeks. And ramp has just been pretty consistent. Esper has been climbing. Okay. And Esper is kind of like, Oh, these are popularity, popularity climbing. Okay. Yeah, I don't know, man. It just looks like domain and everything else is clumped together. I this, is, this, this is like in the, the 50 to 55 range, probably. Yeah. So Ramp is 61, Boros Kanbuk 59, Mono Red 55, Esper 55, Golgari 52. Like, I assume these are just like a little bit inbred at this point, but. Um, it's like all the all the mid range decks are just clumped together, and then ramps just way above. Yeah, Boros, I did want to talk about too because it doesn't seem bad. It does basically what the soldier stuff is doing, but in a way that tries to kill you, which I do think is a good angle for attacking ramp but i don't know what happens when they get to the first sweeper and especially if they have a follow-up sweeper yeah and there's a lot of sweepers to choose from and they're really good yeah and this is with no lockdowns main right they have usually some in the sideboard but not always you know but if if they skimp on that sort of stuff then maybe the boros deck is good yeah it's i think one of the reasons that Ramp is just so highly recommended and I think it's such a problematic deck because it does have quite a bit of tools to beat some of these other things that aren't necessarily happening right this second but could evolve. Yeah, you see a lot of lists with like four knockout blow when, I mean, I guess Mono Red is 7.7% according to Goldfish, which is still pretty high, but I don't necessarily expect that to translate to real life considering I don't think the deck is particularly good. Yeah. I mean, with Amantic Barrage, too, is another cyborg. Like, there's just a lot of options that are, like, cheap lockdowns, like, ways that the ramp deck could change or evolve if it wanted to beat any of these specific things happening. Yes. So, and yeah, in, according... In the meantime, they just have, like, generically good cards in a lot of instances. Yeah, the only matchups for color is under 50% against on this is Mono Red and Boros, and they're 48 and 49%. <laughs> so, not massive samples. Um, but still not very promising. But it's what we got. 
Yeah. So if you can't beat him, join him. And I don't know that Ramp has a super bad match unless they're really aggressively cheating for the mirror. Yeah. I mean, it, it's partly that, but also mostly trying to address the mid-range decks and not things that exist on the poles, too. That's fair. All right, so let's look at this last standard challenge because I'm, I'm kind of curious, just in, in the realm of small sample sizes, right? So first place, Monored. Second place, Ramp. Uh, finals was 2-0, so it could have been a split. Uh, top four, blue, black. Other top four deck is red, black, but with Inti and Fairy Dream Thief. This is kind of nice, actually. Yeah, I kind of like this. This is like no uh, three mana, three damage dino. Yeah, just lower. Archfiend of the Dross instead of Shieldred. Yeah, once you're this much lower, having the four Archfiend makes sense. All right, so ramp in fifth and sixth, and then Esper Esper. So what did these ramp decks lose to? Fairy Dream Thief is not a very scary card. One of them was Taractos. Other one was... um. No, Fairy Dream Thief is not scary, but it's cool. <laughs> it's cool in your draft deck. So, yeah, one of them lost to Rakdos, and one of them lost to Monored. So Monored beat Ramp twice. Okay. Yeah, and that kind of makes sense, right? Um, game one, it's pretty hard to imagine Ramp beating any sort of reasonable draw. Yeah, I mean, I I was initially surprised by how much natural resistance they had before when it was like, oh, you have Herd Migration and you have Archangel and you have Black Virtue, but now the Black Virtue is gone and they're playing like four Beanstalks and a Nissa, you know, just like these more expensive clunky cards and less things that are just naturally good against Mono Red. So yeah, maybe it's it's time to go back to some amount of that stuff or instead of like the this one has like a depopulate and a Vanquish the Horde. Well, maybe those are supposed to be lockdowns or something. Yeah. I mean, the Black Virtue always impressed me, but I haven't played enough with these newer lists to know how much of a price the that puts on my mana. And this is probably like a little bit of the cost of Cavern of Souls is that you kind of are forced to move away from some of these other colors if it's spells that you're casting. Yeah, and I, I do agree with that, but I don't know. Maybe the answer is not like, oh we just have to cut Black Virtue entirely, maybe the answer is like, well, we need to replace that with like an early interaction card, you know? Yeah. And I like where you were going with like playing some more proactive things to do on two mana that aren't being stocked, just like rampant growth, right? Yeah. It's just a way to help get you there. But, yeah, get get your Archangel of Wrath mana quicker. Yeah. Oh, and this is with all, all the ramp decks still having four knockout blows too. Yeah. Which is a strong card. Yeah, four knockout blow, two lockdown, not good enough. Well, you gotta, you gotta, game one is just like not hard to imagine, but you win. It is, yeah. But I think, especially once you know the matchup, 
then it's maybe a, a lot easier because you can just mulligan very aggressively, you know. But it, I think these decks even still like don't really have the tools. Yeah. So then, if even if this is true, like let's just assume for a second that Mono Red is smoking ramp, ramp beats the mid range decks. We're kind of in like a rocks paper scissors spot again. Yeah, and that that's assuming that Mono Red absolutely cannot beat the mid-range decks with like their entire sideboard which i kind of find hard to believe but yeah i mean i don't know people are time imagining there's so much incidental mono red hate in these mid-range decks that and yeah, given how bad their creatures are like the bat has lifelink man yeah it's not a lot but maybe you explore on this guy once or twice you know yeah my scooter's a 3-4, man. You know how hard that is to attack through? No, that's that's true. That is very big. Right? That's what Monstrous Rage is for, though. Boom. Yeah. Well, they all cut that card. Yeah. Well, they, they shouldn't. Yeah. Well, I mean, what else What else were you playing with? What else did you like? Um, Those were the bulk of it. Uh, Blue, Black, and Esper were the ones that I had the most fun playing with that I found myself like itching to play more of. Rakdos will be next on my list to, to kind of play games with. Um, but I played games with Legends and didn't like it as much, and then I played a couple of random decks. I was just, like, basically grabbing any random deck list I could find from Twitter or anywhere and just, like, throwing it into Arena, so I just had, like, 25 decks queued up. Uh, uh did you have anything with Venerated Rock Priest? No. Okay. That's Should I have? No, I don't think so. Oh, I played a weird amount with Green-White Enchantments, just best of one games for fun and like you know on the side that deck's awesome i had a blast but you know not necessarily competitive yeah also a block deck yeah but he's like, yo that deck's fun like when you pop off like it, it is enjoyable no it is it is cool and i love that it had a window where it was like the actual deck to play yeah um it, it's definitely strong but like as you said block like it's not gonna get it's unreasonable to expect to get helpful pieces in future sets. Well, maybe depending on when they did make this decision, they could have been, in theory, like if they knew, there could be seeds in future sets, which would be cool. If it was like, oh, like this is the thing that is going to like revitalize the enchantment deck or here's another piece for the artifact deck, you know? Yeah. All right, so I guess I'm going to play some more standard over the next week, probably in the hospital and, you know, very sleep-deprived, but I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think playing casually for now is enjoyable, but if there was a very competitive tournament I was preparing for, I'd probably be very frustrated at the prospects of ramp mirrors. Well, from looking at this, it doesn't even look like there's that many. Yeah, I don't really get why. There probably should be. I don't know. I I I feel like maybe we went through this prepping for Dallas and like people are going through it now. Yeah, and like Dallas, like there was like two decks that did well. It was Ramp and it was Blue White Soldiers. And I assume that that had a lot to do with each other. And like we were doing well against Blue White Soldiers, but like I think the average Ramp list for that tournament was not. Yeah, because they just had Sunfall and nothing else. Yeah, they didn't have quite enough. And... I think that 
Obviously, Cavern of Souls changed that dynamic and equation quite a bit. Like, I was cutting all my Atraxes against Blue White. Yeah, you don't do that anymore. Yeah, <laughs> got it. Noted. No reason to. Who cares? Yeah. yeah. Whoa, 29th place, a ramp list with two lockdowns main. Wow. How many bindings? Or sorry, Beanstalks. Uh, four still, yeah. Four still, okay. Okay. I mean, I, I get like the matchups where you're locking down, you just cycle the bean on two and you don't necessarily care, right? So Yeah, you don't need sense. it. And I, I like, listen, lockdown does non-zero amounts even in the mirror. You kill their beans, but... Ooh, check this out. Check this out. So the sideboard has one Jace Perfected Mind. Okay. Uh, but also three Tide Binder. And the same thing could apply here where you just Tide Binder there, attracts a trigger, and then kill it somehow. But if it does come down to decking with the Jace stuff, well, you just have Tide Binder for the minus X. Yeah. So I like that. That might be good. Everybody seems to be on the Jaces. Maybe we got to play this more, see how it goes. I don't know, man. I keep I keep doing it. I, I don't know if it was because like I had a Besage you and, and they didn't, and I had like a get lost. And so I just had more ways to uh, blow up their binding on my Atraxa or whatever, but I just did that more than they did. And then they huh. lost. Yeah, I don't know. I told you, like, my my experience playing these matches in the older lists was the same as what you're describing. So, but it may, maybe there's actual consensus here that we should explore. Maybe it's just a bunch of people copying each other. It's probably more the latter. Yeah. But that that will change. I feel like standard a month from now, the lists will look much different than they do now. You know, like, there, there are actually going to be events. People are going to be testing more. They're going to be trying, right? I hope so. Oh, okay. So. What what do you think about this? Mind Link mech in blue black. I don't know what that does. Okay. I played with this when it came out. Uh 2U artifact vehicle 4-3 flying. Whenever this becomes crude for the first time each turn until end of turn, this becomes a copy of target non-legendary creature that crewed it, except it's a 4-3 vehicle artifact. Uh and still has flying. And it's crew one. So what are we trying to do with it? So it's three mana, four, three flying vehicle where like if you crew it with a bat, it gets, it gets lifelink. lifelink. Okay. But but it's a thing that... Uh, doesn't die to wrath. Yeah, it doesn't die to wrath. Actually has power, has flying, which is pretty good. Uh, this deck even has two Phyrexian Flesh Scorchers and I love that card, but I would not do that. Yeah. I mean, I'm maxing up my scooters first, but... You know, if you want to get me to play five or six of them, I you could convince me that that's not an unreasonable place to be. Yeah, this one has six. Uh, I guess the the combo is it has Bloodletter of Alkazots, Aklazots. Huh. So you just play that on four, crew the thing, and they take sixteen. Yeah, <laughs> guess that's a way one way to do it. So yeah, suck it, ramp opponent. You yeah. play like your invasion of Zendikar. Yeah, cool to populate. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. That doesn't seem bad. Yeah. Well, this might be my last episode for a few weeks. You're uh, what? You got a weekend off, and then you're heading to um. Cincy play some modern. Cincy to play some modern. So maybe we end up talking modern next week if I'm around. I don't know. 
Where are um, you spending your time? I'm on I'm on a new computer. I just tried to open up where my calendar used to be, and it's not there anymore. And I don't I don't know what to do. I was like, was it is it only like a week away? Where's yeah, the you calendar got, on this you, thing? You get a weekend, and then it's there. Oh my god. Okay, I have to like click three things to. Get oh, you you click up. the date, and the calendar doesn't pop up. Isn't that absurd? Yeah. Yeah. And then instead, it shows me a bunch of notifications. I was like, clear that. Yeah, that's care. where the ads go. Yeah. Uh, and then I had to click open a button thing, but now it's still being weird. Uh, but yeah. Well, once you do it once, it stays that way. You can shut the notifications off if you're on Windows 11. Oh, I'm not on 11 yet, but I think I have to be in order to like change my settings, which is silly. You should. You, right click on stuff. You can turn it off. How's the new but, computer? Uh, it is It is good. Unfortunately, uh, one of the things that I wanted to do was immediately uh, play one of my games and see what a, a non-2070 like 2070 graphics card looked like, because I think that was what I was rocking before, because my, okay. last, my last PC was like 2016 or something. Oh, wow. So this is a big upgrade. Yeah. Uh, this, this is like a, a 4070 or 4090. I don't even know. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a lot. Um. And I, so I downloaded this game and then I, because it's a new device, it was like, oh, we'll send you a thing, your email. And I don't have access to that email anymore. Tilt. So I was like, oh, cool. So I think you're just SOL probably. No, they, they actually have like a FAQ for it. So I have to just email support and whatever, which I obviously am putting off. But uh, because of that, I have done zero gaming so far. Outside of just like, you know, downloading Magic Online and downloading Arena. And uh, I don't know. We'll we'll get to it eventually. But I'm excited the next time something comes up where it's like, all right, yeah, let's play Diablo or something like that. And I'm just like, this looks way better, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's It's weird how much Magic Online takes to actually run well. <laughs> so for me, it's like, how can I get this like, you know... It, horrible graphics game from 20 years ago to run smooth yeah well it's just like can we can we just download all the card images so you don't have to like reload them all the time because like that's the problem right is like the the memory leak issue is they have to keep querying the the card stuff i could be wrong about this i don't actually know um and but i i do like your potential solution to it because like storage is just so free these days right yeah, you, I had to uh, install a, another hard drive on my last PC, and now I just start with like two terabytes or something. Yeah, you get two terabytes for like what for like a nickel, right? Yeah. It doesn't even cost a lot. No. Nah. Yeah, because I'm I'm building a PC, and I'm like I I don't need anything close to that. And it's like well, it only costs ten dollars extra. It's like all right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I have infinite storage. Yeah, that's great. But cool. But yeah, in theory, I'm excited. Uh, but so far, it has not really done anything. But we'll fix that at some point. Yeah, maybe it's there to stream. Who knows? Well, that that was kind of what I wanted to look at because Moto does look a lot better on something that's not a 2070. So yeah, listen, I've been I was a Magic Online hater for years. I've been enjoying it quite a bit more. I don't know if that's just because I got older, my expectations went down, but um, I have been enjoying it. I loved it for forever and then hated it because now I've played games that are quick and give me dopamine quickly, and now it's just so ponderously slow. Yeah. 
I, you know, you, you can't miss it. I like the challenges. I don't, I don't love the unscheduled events. I like the scheduled things. They make me feel something in ways that other games don't still. Oh, dude, I bet you actually had like your heart pumping when you were 4-0 in the thing. Oh, yeah. Dude, I was 3-0 playing a super close match. I was enjoying myself. Yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah. I was debating, like, do I play my Trium on turn one or do I thought seize them? And I thought seized them and he had grief scam and I felt great. Yeah. Yeah. And I had I had um Renin Six on turn two. So I basically was choosing not to play Renin Six on turn two in order to uh, thought seize turn one. Yeah. yeah, I think that's right. I mean, yeah, obviously I'm leaving out a lot of the context or whatever, but it was an interesting spot. I thought about it for a long time. I made a decision, it paid off immensely. It felt great. Went upstairs, you know, gave the little guy a big high five. He had no idea why, but yeah. Um, and then that's my favorite you, part. Three rounds later, did you rescind the high five? You're like, Leo gave it back. Yeah, I went back upstairs with my, you know, tail tucked between my legs and we went for a walk. Yeah, okay. But it's like 60 degrees out and it's, you know, the end of December, which is just mind boggling, but I enjoy it. Yeah, for Boston area? What the hell? Okay. Yeah, it makes no sense, but here we are. All right, all right we're done. Game. We, we, will, we will see you soon, Dave. Hopefully game good luck